Mm. Yeah, and and it's like an, it's, a, it's like an interesting thing because you're mentioning that uh, Zimbabwe spirit heading this, and I'm like, ah, how? Well, I have no idea how the rest of Africa is doing it, uh, but yeah, like, what what are the stats? Like, are there any stats related to where we are at when it comes to electric vehicles and charging stations okay. and the like? From from from. Yeah, from the, looking at the stats, um, in Africa at the moment, we have uh, Zimbabwe, obviously, Kenya, uh, Ethiopia, South Africa. Um, those are the countries that have, have not, notably been trying their best to introduce and adopt electric vehicles. Like Ethiopia at the moment, um, they made a partnership with Hyundai. They're going to be assembling the Hyundai Ionic. Uh, electric vehicle and most probably oh, nice. maybe later in the yeah later in the year they'll be assembling the hyundai corner as well yeah, right. in africa yeah so meaning to say look um climatically south africa i'm saying africa is ideal for electric vehicles our climate is not as um it's not as aggressive as um, the european european climate like europe it gets very cold and you know batteries do not work very well in, in cold weather. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the electrolytes mm. prefer warm weather. That's when they perform at their best. Yes. So our lowest temperatures is usually, according to what I've researched, our lowest temperatures is usually 18 to 20. And in Europe, they're usually 5, 4. But they're managing to, to commute around with electric vehicles. Ah. Cool, cool. Yeah, so so yeah. I've already started recording the call. So to all those listening okay. who might just wonder, Aish, who are these guys and what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, my okay. name is my name is Edwin Chabuka. I am the media guy from Texim, does videos. Okay. Um, I'm also a very avid car guy because well, cars are life. Mm. And uh, yes, yeah. yes. I, I might have been the first one to write an article on electric vehicles, advocating for yes, them I, on Texim. <laughs> yes, I remember so, it was in twenty. Was it in twenty seventeen? Yeah, twenty seventeen. Like right, when some, yeah when Tesla launched the Model Three, I think. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I've been, I've been. Uh, oh, my my name is Tanaka Kutama. Uh, I run Zimtoki Mobility and I'm recently been made a member of the steering committee for the development of uh, our framework policy for Zimbabwe. Uh, sort of like a statutory instrument for, for electric uh, mobility. That is char your charging stations, your electric bikes, your electric buses, anything to do with renewable energy and transport. Uh, we're developing a policy there. So I'm one of the, uh, the senior members there. And I'm also a member of uh, World EV, uh, which was launched last year on the 9th of September, which also was my birthday, <laughs> coincidentally. Oh, nice. What, <laughs> yeah. a, what a crazy coincidence. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be head, held yearly uh, on the 9th of September. <laughs> oh, nice. So, so, so you yeah, have a, yeah. very, a very vivid reminder of, hey, it's my birthday now because yeah, there's this big true. thing going on. So, yeah, so, I think, so yeah, like you yeah. were mentioning, you, you were talking about uh, some African countries that are partnering with uh, big motor manufacturers to produce EVs. Yes. And yeah, yeah, talk, uh, talk us through that. I'm, I'm keen on understanding okay. that. Okay. Okay. This is what's going on. Um, I see. Uh, 
um, Ethiopia, right? Um, you know, Ethiopia's economy is quite growing very fast. So yeah, I think yeah. Hyundai just thought of Africa, you know, saying, you know what, probably it will work in Africa. In Hyundai, that Korean company, I think with Africa, they have invested a lot in terms of mining equipment, uh, forklifts. Mm, yes, yes. Stuff. So, well, it's unfortunate. I would have loved for them to have made the assembling hub here in Zimbabwe. But it's good for Ethiopia that they've decided to, to do EVs there, meaning it'll be very easier for us to, 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 to acquire the vehicles. Whereas mm. I would rather have us also assembling the vehicles, considering that we have lithium deposits here. It's a matter of time that we have enough technicians and, and, and research and development to actually put this uh, together. Like what I was mm. saying at the moment here in Zimbabwe, you'll be very surprised. I, I started following the hybrid and electric vehicle um, regime, I think back in 2011. But the wow, problem is the big. whole world, yeah, the, the whole world did not believe in, 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 in electric mobility or, or hydrogen mobility or, or hybrids. They just thought fossil fuel was going to be the best. So that's why they mm. tried to come up with different technologies like blue efficiency, blue tech, all those different technologies to reduce mm. emissions. Only when Tesla took the risk. You know, Tesla, when it first started, it, it took a big loss. Oh, yeah. People thought that company was going to be liquidated. But I do remember uh, talking to when they launched the Roadster, I, I, I said to this other friend of mine, they started in the wrong way. Yes, it's all oh. fine to have a two-seater electric motor because you're trying to, to lighten up the car so you've got more, a bit of more range. Because if the car is big, the batteries are small, you don't have enough range because the car will be, will be, will be heavy. Just imagine you've got... For example, we remember those toy cars we have, those RC cars we had. Yeah, those RC cars. Yeah, I had an Audi TT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you if you didn't have one, your child wasn't that, you know, great. So yeah. imagine that little car weighing two kgs and having only two double A batteries. You only drive it past the passage once or twice, and then that's it. The batteries yeah. run out. So. Yeah. Tesla tried to make a two-seater. Then I remember um, Toyota in 1998, they made an, an electric RAV4, but people don't even know that. Toyota oh, really? were one of the people that, that really wanted to do mainstream electric vehicles. They did a, a fully electric RAV4. Why it didn't work is because there was no, they thought the backup was the problem. The batteries were just way too expensive, which was going to make the car very expensive. The electric motor is cheap. Mm. You, we all know that putting together an electric motor is very cheap, but the yeah. batteries, lithium ion, if you've got lithium ion, if you've got cathode, there's different types of batteries, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you always want the best that can hold current, that will give you more range. So, yeah. look, coming back to Zimbabwe, we are very uh, unfortunate that we don't have enough technicians. I know for one, one friend of mine, the one I wanted also to introduce you to guys, is a master technician. His name okay. is Taurai Siwera. He was in America for about 10 years. And he's the only one, I think the only African who's currently has 15 certificates regarding um, electric vehicles, hybrid, and um, manufacturer development of cars. He goes wow. beyond a car. He's, yeah, he's that's, very smart. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a bunch of the stuff. Only <laughs> in, yeah. 
yeah he's he's actually we we're very good friends we've 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 done work together he's actually my backup technician for all the vehicles that i'm bringing in he's also planning on opening a school the first ever automotive school in zimbabwe it's going to be like a university but concentrating on automotive only meaning every year you you know pilots right they have to go for test almost every year to upgrade yes. their um, their brain that the plane has changed from this to that, that. the plane has changed so yeah, like i think for networking yeah. guys as well like um cisco certifications yes. are like every yes. three years so just renewing your skills to what's current at that yes. moment in time yeah look no offense to arare poli or university of zimbabwe but you know they're using the old systems the old ways of doing things and mm. we 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 his approach um is to make sure that every year you upgraded if there's a new model that's coming out you have to come back and get a certification according to those new model specs but look at the tesla for example we were talking about the tesla every 3 months tesla is upgrading their software every 3 mm. months they have got a new software they've got a new sentry mode so if you say you're a backup technician for tesla and you don't have that update you are going to how oh, your customer brings in their car you're going to spend 4 weeks with the car because you don't know what to do with it yeah yeah so that's that's one of the things that I that I was actually so, curious about um so so when it comes to electric vehicles um again you once you mentioned it when you were speaking there about how the rev4 didn't quite take off because uh battery technology was not yet there um but also there is there's been this issue amongst um well i used to be a big petrol head so amongst people like me who used to be petrol heads where you're like okay so there are service stations everywhere where i can just go fill up my car and we're good we can continue on our journey uh, but with electric vehicles especially i can take an example of zim is there are very very few charging stations if any and it it's something that you then have to resort to your normal uh home socket charger which is pretty slow compared to those um commercial chargers that charge a bit quicker and that slight inconvenience is something that then motivates a person to say you know what i'll rather just stick to my petrol or my diesel because Uh, it's not quite it's not quite convenient yet um is there anything that's coming through in in the convenience front of electric vehicles well, it looks like he dropped off Oh yeah it seems like the internet gremlins took him out I I just uh... I sorry I think that there was a call that came in and cut off my network uh, I can take your question again what you, you... Oh <laughs> Oh no problem so yeah. so I was I was saying okay. that um um you want you you were mentioning that there were some EVs like Toyota started the 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 electric RAV4 back then in 1999 and there have been other ev manufacturers that have not really taken off uh mm-hmm. because they were die hard uh internal combustion engine fanatics out there that really didn't yes. believe the electric vehicle would provide the same convenience as the mm-hmm. legacy vehicles so 
um, what, what progress have you seen so far, especially probably in a country like Zim, where somewhat EVs are starting to gain some traction? Um, yeah. What convenience measures do you see being put in place? Uh, okay, what can I say? Uh, look, Zimbabwe is quite complicated in a, uh, in a way that, you know, the motoring industry in Zimbabwe is very open. Anyone can buy a car anyway. You don't ever mm-hmm. necessarily walk into a dealership. There's no regulations that have come up to block people from buying cars anyway. That's why you see Lamborghinis, Ferraris, all these cars, they just come in. In South Africa, you, you wouldn't have that. They'll tell you, go through a dealership. So... As for Zimbabwe, right, um, charging stations, I'll start with charging stations. You'd notice that Zimbabweans would rather say, look, I don't really need a charging station. If, got, if I've got a car that can do 500 kilometers to a full charge, I'll charge at home. I'm saving money. I don't have to go and sit at a charging station and wait for the car to charge. Unless there's development of a new charging station that takes five minutes to charge the car, yes. Because knowing Zimbabweans, uh, we are patient and also impatient. Because this other day I was asking this guy, you're saying 20 minutes is too long for you to charge your car at a charging station, but you can wait four hours for, for a fuel tanker to decat and then wait another two hours for them to save you with fuel. <laughs> mm, mm. So, I see, I see yeah. what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So so to me, our 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 you know what our drawbacks, the, the facts that we come up, up come up with against electric vehicles in Zimbabwe are somehow, what can I say, nonsense. To me, they're nonsense because uh, electricity, right? Um, if you ever go to a service station without electricity, do they, do they tell you that we don't have electricity? They will tell you probably the generator is down or mm. the generator cannot pump their pumps. But to charge a vehicle, it can charge a vehicle. So mm. charging stations, they're going to come. It's a Big investment, infrastructural investment is quite needed in Zimbabwe. As you can see, DPA, I'm quite close to the guys at DPA. They're planning to put over 30 30 charging stations at different service stations. So this shows you already, they've got a mindset for five years later. And considering Mm -hmm. that Zimbabwe is struggling to import fuel, we're losing a lot of money from importing fuel. That money can be used. We can we, we can import fuel, just a few just a few liters or whatever, and that other money can be used for solar power generation. Like what I was uh, addressing to to Zesa this other time, I told them, look, you need to privatize the power generation industry, whereby people can come and get licenses to 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 generate power, mm. and then they pay a certain fee to Zesa, and then the the clients pay a certain fee to them. Now imagine if we had three or four uh, power generating companies in Zimbabwe, would we have power cut problems? That would mm. be, you know, because everyone in Zimbabwe, if they see a business opportunity, they they, they grab it with both their hands. So this, this whole problem of electric cars not being convenient, in people in Europe, they commute more than people in Zimbabwe. Imagine you, they, some people work like a distance from, from Kadoma to, to Arare every day. That's in Europe. Probably he stays in outside London and he works probably towards Lister, which is the, almost the mm. same distance as Kadoma to Harare. But they drive every day in Nissan Leaf every day. Then comes me, my, me a little Tanaka from Zimbabwe. Ah, I stay in Chitungu. Ah, electric vehicle won't work. 
ah, <laughs> ah no it won't work my runnings it won't i won't be able to do running and it's only maybe 30 kilometers that guy is doing 40 miles 50 miles a day but he's finding it very convenient so i think in zimbabwe we're going to have an issue whereby there's going to be a lot of range anxiety because panemuna chawa ya chitindro wenda kumusha so <laughs> i've got those questions before kumusha ino shiger and i you know what i'll ask you even edwin how many times do you go kumusha in a year yeah, it's not that often eh you see now how mm. many times do you drive around town you drive yeah, around town more often on long distances so look you you're saving 75% 80% of your money and you own also saving the environment because the more we kill the environment right, right now cars are being imported they're moving those catalytic converters and currently the climate um minister of climate right you know, what called minister of environment right they mm-hmm. have said we've got 90% of emissions coming from Vietnam. We are a small country. Consider this a very small country. We're not a big country, right? Mm. We're getting 90% emissions. How dangerous is that to our environment in the long run? Not saying I want yeah. to promote electric vehicles, but I'm looking also in the environmental perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. how much harm um, is it? <laughs> it it would do some significant harm actually. uh but yeah me yeah. and tanaka we can go all day uh i don't know valentine yeah. you, you have you have anything you want to that's burning that you want to ask the man <laughs> uh kind of um well i think it's probably going to be led with a statement uh to say i think well, you mentioned lester to london i think first of all the road infrastructure in england is probably one of the best so you could feasibly commute those distances and they've allowed for roads that allow you know people to go to and from so that's why that is possible unless if you want to take the train um to the point of EVs in England it's it obviously Zimbabwe the, infra- the infrastructure is not there but i was reading this report that they said mini grid systems like what you're saying with independent power producers could be the way to make um EV charging stations and all that possible even in Mshakwatu so mm-hmm. this should be empowering people like DPA and bring other independent power producers and making licenses easier to obtain for people who want mm-hmm. to build um solar infrastructure to then say okay listen if you want to build it fair enough but we only have one condition you increase our our charging station network you you have a quota of let's say 10 for every installation you do that you can service a, a certain distance but the problem is, is is i don't think this will be receptive to something like that because like what you're saying is quite quite right evs are so far ahead in the future of many, of many people's minds because again it's changing the culture changing the culture of yeah you know it's going to take you 20 minutes like the example that you gave is that someone will still queue like if fuel becomes a problem again someone will still wait in a queue for four hours instead of going for the ev option even if we have um charging stations that are more available than i think it's the three that dp has in arai right now is changing that mentality so how how would how do you approach uh besides the authorities how do you approach changing the mentality of people to say you no know, evs are a viable option you just have to see them in this way Look um I think uh, I've been preaching this for the past 2 years when I started even bringing hybrids everyone right now is buying a Honda Fit hybrid I want a Honda Fit hybrid they're not understanding the concept of owning a Honda Fit hybrid they just think it's for saving fuel but there's a lot involved it's the same thing with an EV to change a person mentality from an EV is dependent on price uh Zimbabweans love new things 
I, I remember this one conference I attended and I said this, a Zimbabwean would rather buy a light, light bulb before they buy a candle. Then the people asked me and they started laughing, like, why are you saying that? I said, look, we, we are fast in our minds. Our country is just, we're just unfortunate that our economy has been, has been inconsistent. But if it was consistent, like remember the time of the US, people would actually have bought these cars more than mafia savers. You'd actually see a lot of these electric vehicles. Because just to think of it, Tinashem Tarisi, he bought his Tesla how many years back? But, you know, that time people didn't understand the whole concept of these electric vehicles. They were like, ah, it won't go anywhere. It's going to die. So we've got this belief of saying, if we get something, it won't last. But we want it. Like recently, the iPhone 12 came out. I've seen, I think, 100 people with that phone. So I, I, I don't see, well, the, any much work needed to, to, to change the people's mentality. I think it, it goes down to pricing and education. Those are the two things. Because from the cars that I've sold, I don't want to lie to you, I've sold almost 20 electric vehicles and about 10 plug-in hybrids. Um, from the people that I sold to, they had no clue about electric vehicles. But the moment I told them, look, these are the benefits. If there's no fuel, you can charge the, the your car at home. If there's no ZSA at your house, you can just easily drive to, 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 to a service station and ask to plug your car for even 10, 10 or 10 minutes. You can drive anywhere. You can do your, your, your runnings. And secondly, an electric vehicle helps you plan your day. You don't waste time because what's important is, is time. In transport, it's not necessarily about the distance. It's the time you take to do your delivery. If you, if you understand the whole concept of daily delivery, when you order your food, you expect it to be by your house maybe in 10, 15 minutes, isn't it? It's, it's not about uh, saying, I just want my food here. You, you, you calculate the time. A truck, if it leaves the border at 8 o'clock, you calculate the time it should be here by 7, 7 p.m. 8 in the a.m. and 8 a.m. and then it should be at 7 p.m. So it's all about time. EVs will save you a lot of production time as opposed to, to a petrol engine. Because now you can go and wait four hours for fuel. Yes, fuel is available at the moment for U.S., but how many people can afford the fuel for U.S.? That's the other thing you have to look at. But then again, if we're looking at fuel for U.S., um, when EVs get popular, this is going to be saying, all right, we're going to have to reprice or change the pricing structure for electricity because we can't let you do what you can do with a car, with a petrol car, with an electric vehicle car. So that even will then push away independent power producers who want to create these valuable mini-grids and say, okay, listen, if you want to control and regulate the price, it's not attractive for us to do this. I think that is maybe that may be one of the problems why there hasn't been such a rush in Zimbabwe for uh, okay. Let me, yeah, this this issue, I think we 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 had an argument about it. But look, uh, for your information, this is willing to give in because look at ESCOM, right? In South Africa, I think there's two independent power producers. Similarly to even in the UK, there's the national grid and then there's other small little companies. There should be a cap, like on fuel, there should be a cap on, fuel, on, on electricity to say if it's going to be 18 cents a kil kilowatt an hour, that's the cap. If, if you want to charge 15 cents, it's up to you. If you want to charge 20, if you want to charge 17 cents, it's up to you, but you cannot surpass 18 cents. Like how fuel is. I think that would be the only way to work. But the problem with, with electric vehicles, or well, the, the quote-unquote philosophical argument is that 
the electricity mm. generated from those for those vehicles comes from thermoelectric power stations and, and nuclear power stations, which again, nuclear power stations are probably the biggest polluters that people don't really talk about. Because for those elements, for those isotopes to then degrade to being harmless takes an innumerable number of time. So is this resolving the problem, especially for Zimbabwe, where, okay, if we're gonna say we're gonna use solar, that's fine, but we're going to need to supplement that uh, production with uh, thermoelectric, uh, with thermal power stations. So it's, on an environmental standpoint, it doesn't really balance up. With, with Zimbabwe, look, it's not quite difficult. Zimbabwe, we can do hydro, hydroelectric power and we can do solar power. Uh, that's why you've lo looked at DPA. DPA has encouraged all these industries, all these service stations to actually go solar. Because at the end of the day, uh, nuclear and coal, look, they're big, they're big money makers, those things. You know, and oil also is a big money maker. It's not going to be very easy, as we are saying, uh, that you can just eradicate the, the fossil fuel uh, petrol heads. Because I was once a petrol head. I, I loved petrol head. But I also uh, enjoyed the technology that came with electric vehicles. So what's going to happen here in Zimbabwe is um, looking at even the renewable energy policy. It's all about uh, renewable energy, solar. It's all about hydropower. So I feel there's going to be more of that than nuclear or coal. So which means electric vehicles will have a chance. The other thing is what we've been encouraging a lot of people is when you buy an electric vehicle, like myself, I was telling them, look, I'm going to install a free solar system for you, probably 5 kVA, whereby your house is now only using um, um, solar, right? And then you've got that net metering system. And then whatever you are left with, you're taking back to the grid. The grid is paying you back. You can charge your vehicle. So meaning to say hey, you are not suppressing the grid for them to actually say we need to have more power grids. If you understand what I'm saying, like Tesla, uh, the, the concept Tesla, okay, Tesla was selling the power separately. Then I spoke to a guy from Tesla to buy. I said, look, um, let's come up with a concept whereby the person buys a model S plus the power. So meaning to say you're not going to suppress the grid to start saying, no, we need to generate more power using thermal or using hydro or, or using whatever other source of power. But the other issue that is, I think will be a problem is the recycling of the batteries because they've got a life uh, lifespan, these batteries, in which there's a, country, um, there's a company in Norway, they've actually come up with a way of how you can recycle the battery without harming the environment. Because you know, lithium batteries are very dangerous. They're explosive. Mm. So they can just give in any day after their life cycle is, is gone. So this company has come up with the, the concept whereby when your battery health is at 40%, you have to take it out. They'll, they'll recondition the battery and then you put it back in. You've got a new battery. You're moving on. That's why probably most manufacturers are not really keen on pushing EVs too much because let's say, for example, Valentine, you buy yourself a 2018 Nissan Leaf. You're going to keep that car for the next 15 years because the only thing you're going to do is change your battery. <laughs> You're not going to buy a new car. You're just going to go back to Nissan and say, Nissan, my battery is, is flat. I need a new one. So mm. it's, it's quite tricky at the moment. It's quite tricky. And that's okay, actually an interesting... Go for it. Oh, okay. Oh, so I was, I was going to say that it's actually an interesting point that you bring out there because I think it's, in, it's, a, it's a Chinese electric vehicle manufacturer called um, NIO. Uh, NIO, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they seem to have a similar service whereby uh, 
you buy the car, but without the battery pack and the battery pack is hot swappable. So you are pretty much just renting the battery pack. If it runs out, you just go to the service center, they pull it out, chuck a new one in and you're good to go. So isn't, couldn't that be, um, couldn't that be one of the breakthrough things when it comes to the advantages of EVs in the sense that uh, there is that genuine worry that the the life of your car is pretty much the life of the battery of that car. So if I'm able to easily just uh, swap out the battery and put in a new one, then it pretty much means this vehicle, I can, I can potentially have it for, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years, just swapping out batteries and putting another one. Yes. That is correct. That is correct. Mm. That, that's what's going to happen. I think uh, if you look at, uh, if you've been following uh, General Motors' new concept um, for the next 20 years, it's called Generation E. What they are saying is we, they're completely taking out fossil fuel cars completely. So by 2035, probably General Motors won't be even making a petrol engine or a diesel engine. Currently, I know uh, Mercedes is no longer exporting um, certain vehicles to Africa, uh, settled diesel vehicles to Africa. They're now doing plug-in hybrid and petrol, if, including Zimbabwe. I think Zimbabwe won't even be, you won't be able to, to, to import from the, from the dealer themselves uh, a diesel engine. I'm, mm. I'm not yet sure on that one, but I heard Mercedes made an announcement regarding that, that uh, they're going to stop. Because Mercedes, they recently launched the EQA and the EQC. Uh, the EQC is actually making its way to Zimbabwe. Uh, there's a guy I am very close with. I convinced him to buy one. He's a big guy. He loves Range Rovers and all this stuff. I convinced him to buy an EQC. So he bought the car. It's currently in shipment. It's on its way. So maybe sometime in March, it'll be here. So it'd be the first fully electric Mercedes in Zimbabwe, probably in all of Africa, because I haven't had anyone in Africa that owns an EQC. Yeah, they're not here yet. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we are doing quite well, Zimbabwe. Even Tesla, we were one of the first uh, countries. That's why I said our, our regulations are somehow good because they allow, it's an open market. They allow people to buy cars anywhere they want. So it has put us on a platform whereby... We, we are innovating things, but it's not being publicized properly because we've got so much bad publicity in some things. But I'm happy that, you know, international um, bodies and everything are recognizing that Zimbabwe is actually spearheading the use of electric vehicles, especially when Zera launched their um, promotional vehicle, which is electric. And which is, that's a quite big thing because that's a regulatory authority that regularizes a lot of things. They've got an electric vehicle. So that's a big step. But wouldn't the biggest step be convincing the government to now replacing its a majority of its fleet with EVs or plug-in electric hybrids because they're the biggest they have the biggest fleet of anyone in the country. So if they start saying by if they make a commitment or if you can get them to make a commitment and say by twenty twenty five it'll be forty percent mm-hmm. plug-in hybrids or electric, that that is will be major progress. Zero's one vehicle is good, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a far shorter jump than where we need it to be. Because if they start using no, I'm- yeah, I've, I've, yeah I've, I've been informed uh, that I, Zera, not Zera, uh, Zesa 
and CMED, uh, also on the verge of acquiring quite a lot of uh, electric vehicles. But as, as you know, government follows a certain procedure, a certain protocol. And just to think of it, the, the age group in the government, they're those guys that are so used to the cruisers, to the Hiluxes. So imagine telling him to go and buy a $66,000 Hyundai Kona as opposed to a Toyota Hilux Dakar. It's, it's something that, uh, that's where the mentality you are saying is, it's, it'll be difficult. For government uh, vehicles, it might be difficult unless a legislation is put to say, look, each government personnel has to have a, at least an electric vehicle and a fossil uh, car vehicle. It's fine that way. But to tell them, go full electric. I'm not even saying they should go, go electric at the high level. I'm, I'm sure that the fleet at the mm. high level is probably much more limited. But I mean, the the Zessas, the Zimpos, the Tel ones, the Net ones, yes. the, you know, yes. those people. Especially, yeah. especially my thinking was Zessa was supposed to be one of the first uh, people to actually acquire electric vehicles, especially for their team that um, attend faults. Because usually if you had complaints of 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 power of power surges and all that stuff, and they'll they'll say we don't have fuel to go uh, attend to the power surge. And the other another parastatal I would think will definitely need to have is ZRP. ZRP will need to have those small, even the hundred kilometer range ones. They are quite fine for them. Because they also complain when there's a crime a criminal report, they'll tell you we don't have transport. Mm. True. And and better than buying the BMWs. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I think I think one of the other one one of the other issues that might be slowing down progress is they'll also be considering uh, service centers in which these vehicles can get service and backup from. And and if I remember correctly, I think Nissan announced something something in the in line of them having an EV service center in Zim. I, I don't know if my memory serves me correctly there. But I think like uh, big players, big companies and corporates with these large fleets will probably have the budgets to switch to electric vehicles. They are not quite confident in the dealerships and service centers being able to provide adequate backup for those vehicles and they just decide to go with what's there. Okay, uh, you, you've heard about BYD, isn't it? That currently came into Zim. I, it uh, sounds familiar, the Chinese, yeah. The, the Chinese EV company, they've got a dealership here, they've got backup, they've got everything. Uh, mm. Look, I feel uh, like what I said with my colleague, uh, the master tech, uh, Taurai, if he manages to pull through with the school, and train a couple of technicians, it backup won't be something that's very difficult because that's the most, most important thing. Backup is, you know, buying a car, buying a TV, buying whatever is very easy, but backup, warranty, everything, mm. all these things, we cannot depend on South Africa. Because South Africa at this moment, they don't have approvals even for backup. So if you can take your Nissan Leaf there, they'll tell you we can't, we can't touch it because Nissan hasn't given us approval. But here in Zimbabwe, we're fortunate enough we've got a technician who can say, look, I can touch it, I can fix it. So mm. like ourselves, we are, we're actually planning on building a, a workshop that can host at least uh, 12 cars at a time and that can do servicing. Because, you know, these vehicles, you service them after 40,000 k. Okay? Like my one that I drive, 
I, when it came in, I serviced it. And it actually told me my next service is at 45,000 Ks. So now imagine 45,000 Ks to me, that's like two and a half years. <laughs> the only thing wow. I have to worry about is tires and brakes. <laughs> it actually tells you on your computer, it tells you that your next service is in, 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 in 45,000 Ks. And trust me, 45,000 Ks is like two and a half years. Wow. Mm. So, yeah, mainly backup. It's like, for example, uh, what can I say? Apple. Uh, before the iStore, whatever, iClick came in. When you yeah. had the Apple iPhone, all this stuff, where did you go? Obviously, you went to private technicians. That's what we're going to depend on. Manufacturers. I don't even trust manufacturers, even if I've got a brand new car. To be honest with you, I don't trust them. Because manufacturers, they don't believe in sorting out the problem. They believe in avoiding the problem. Zen Zimbabwe. They believe in saying, look, if the car has a problem, let's replace. And sometimes it's not necessarily um, needing replacement. It probably needs a repair, if you get my sense. Because they, they'll, they make more money from replacements than repair. So that's yeah. why people opt for private technicians. Yeah, yeah, they actually do. They actually do. So, yeah, so, so what about... Um, so what about investment so so yeah we have ethiopia and hyundai is investing in there to just uh, uh assemble mm. their electric vehicles um and you also mentioned that we have an, an abundance of lithium deposits in in zim um are there any moves when it comes to trying to get some investment into zim that could probably just accelerate our adoption for, for EVs. Look, on my personal level, I've been in contact with a couple of investors all over. And I don't want to lie to you, if it wasn't for COVID, these investors would, would, have, been, would have been here probably by late last year because they, their thinking is more of having renewable power generation. And then from, from renewable power generation, they give uh, pharmacies, medical personnel, these electric vehicles and electric bikes because they see it's more fitting to start off there. Like let's say, for example, imagine all the pharmacies have a small little electric bike, meaning you can just order your, your within there, they've got their own charging station, a solar, small, smaller charging station at their branch, meaning that the guy can do his deliveries, go back 30 minutes, charge his bike, and then do his deliveries again. So those investors had more of that thinking. They want to make ease of doing business and reducing a, a bit of movement for people, you know, just to reduce your, your stress of saying, you know, I have to go to this place, I have to go to that place. Like, uh, for example, like how Amazon is, mm. is currently doing now. Because Amazon is actually, in Europe, it's something that people haven't realized, but it is actually taken out DHL and FedEx indirectly. Mm. But people haven't actually realized it that way because DHL and, and FedEx they were quite they were the biggest courier companies for anything you, they would deliver. But now Amazon, they've got 2,000 electric vans currently hovering around, uh, I think, the UK. So that's a lot of vans. So imagine in Zimbabwe, we have a similar setup. Do you think anyone will have a problem to say, I didn't get my, my medication or I didn't get my groceries? Because the matter of you ordering online and okay, we'll send a little van with your stuff 
and then they'll pay. It's, they, it's not going to cost them money at all because they've got a solar system at their premises that they can use to charge the bar. So the investors I've been speaking to, that's the plan they have. And we currently, we are launching a dealership ourselves sometime in April. And the dealership is obviously going to serve Vauxhall. It's going to serve Tesla. It's going to serve, this is on a private level. And then on an approval rev level, we're going to be serving Pusia. We're actually trying to get an approval from Pusia. We are actually close to that. So we're going to offer the Pusia electric range from the 208, the 2008, the 2008, the vans, everything. Mm. Everything under the PSA group. We'll be offering it with full and, and And this dealership will be, will be in Zim? It will be in Zim. We're actually building three places, uh, uh, three branches, actually. We're going to have one okay. uh, somewhere in Narare West. I'm not going to disclose the locations yet. I just want you guys to be surprised <laughs> and say, oh, this is where they're going to be. And one, yeah, you better, you better, you better call us so that we just film a tour. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And one in, <laughs> in the industries, and then one in the upmarket area. So, and then we're going to have what we call a charging booth at the airport. Charging booth is whereby oh, nice. those guys that, that want to hire cars out, they can actually hire an electric vehicle. And then we'll mm. offer you an Airbnb, uh, like somewhere where there's a charging station also. So mm. you get out of your plane, just jump into the electric car, you go to your, to your accommodation, you do whatever you have to do, you do your runnings and then you go back to your accommodation, you can charge your car. You don't have to worry about, ah, where am I going to get fuel, everything. No, your, your, your fuel is your house, where you're staying. <laughs> so imagine true, how, true. How, how convenient it is for, for tourists. Just imagine how convenient it is for tourists. They just jump in. And then when they're done, when they're home, they're sleeping, they charge their car because it takes about six hours and you, everyone sleeps almost six hours. So you, 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 you're, it's so convenient. But I, I'm surprised mm. people don't see it that way. Mm. Mm. And I'm, I'm happy that you mentioned dealerships because it was going to take me straight to pricing. So the assumption is electric vehicles are expensive for, for a lot of people. And it's true, they were first generation uh, electric vehicles were very pricey. The technology was still new. These guys needed a way of recouping funds from their R&D. Um, but in the yeah. case of this new dealer, these new dealerships that will be coming through, um, what, what are the prices that um, Zimbos can expect to get um, a car that's similar to what they already own? So I'd say a car similar to your Honda Fits a car similar to your okay. Mercedes E-classes and probably a car similar to uh, a, a mid-sized SUV uh, if, if there is. Okay, like, like okay. For, for example, it's going to be, I'll just say it's going to be slightly maybe $200 or $500 more. And the other advantage is you get that mm. car. Okay, probably the basic, range, the basic car will be at 150K range, but it's an upgradable battery. So the money you're saving for um, the money you're spending on fuel, you can put maybe, you can actually pay us maybe $3 or $2, whatever you, whatever you have is a payment plan to upgrade your battery to go up to maybe 400 kilometers. Mm. So you see the advantage that you have. Yeah. Meaning say you are spending maybe $30 on fuel per day. You are now spending $8 on charging. Maybe you can spend an extra $12 to us to say, look guys, this is my payment plan for a battery pack. 
I'm not happy with 150 Ks. I want to go to 400 Ks. We will get you, the, we will build up the battery pack for you. You do the payment plan. You buy your, 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 your for example, your Nissan Leaf, which will be close to the same price as a Honda Fit. And then you're driving, you're, you're driving your car and you're paying for a bigger battery pack. And charging stations mm. are being planted all over. You, you're not limited to, to, to say, okay, fine, I've bought a car that's going to limit my journeys. No, you get your battery pack as long as you're paying. Like what you're saying, renting. For us, yeah. it's not renting. You're actually buying your own battery pack, an upgrade. Mm-hmm. So pricing is going to be more or less the same. For, for your luxury cars, uh, let's say for comparing to uh, maybe your E-Class, you'll probably be having the, um, uh, what can we give, the E208, the Peugeot E208. But now the, the, the advantage is the, the service you're spending on an E-Class is every 10,000 Ks. This one you are now spending every thirty thousand k. Mm. So, if people look at it that way, you know, if people look at maintenance more than acquiring the vehicle, they'll see the advantages of actually having an electric vehicle. I've had a question, one question um, that someone asked me: What if the thing breaks, uh, the electric motor? Right, an electric motor, um, yes, it can break. It's possible. It's not going to be expensive. Because comparing to an, how many components does an engine have and how many components does an electric motor have? That will give you an answer of terms of pricing <laughs> to replace the electric motor. Yeah, yeah. So that question, I always leave another question for yourself to ask, to answer it. Yeah, I don't know, Valentine, what do you think? <laughs> well, I've, I've got that whole thing of if someone says, they come to your dealership and then they see the prices, right? And then they're like, I know, but I can import one myself. So what kind of facilities are in place to for people to import vehicles? Let's say um, a, a more favorable tax or favorable import or duty cost, uh, more favorable uh, cost when it comes to um, vehicle registration. The one thing I thought would be fair would say like um, an electric vehicle or a plug-in electric hybrid would pay half what an um, uh, uh, in, internal combustion engine vehicle would pay over the year. So that would, I think, push more people to do it. But that's a separate question. My first question, which was the more pertinent one, was is there, is there any way that always, are there any negotiations to make duty and customs for EVs slightly lower than that, that for internal combustion engine vehicle? Okay. Yeah, this goes back to uh, what I was telling you about the EMF, the Electric Mobility Framework policy. That's the statutory instrument we are currently developing. Uh, Zimbabwe is actually thinking of all those incentives. I myself, to to some people that have been ordering cars for me, I've been offering them incentives, those incentives already. But it's always good to have it on a national level, on a government level. So that's hence the, the decision by the government to actually come up with a legal framework policy whereby we have different number plates, duty exemptions, parking fees slashed, toll fees slashed, uh, shopping mall, specialized parking. Like for example, I was in talks with Westgate to actually have parking written EV or low emission vehicle parking only. And the question was, how do those guards identify? That's when we come up with those new number plates. For currently now, it's gonna take time, maybe six, six months, five months, four months for us to have that thing developed. What I've come up with, I've been pushing the Minister of Transport to, to at least allow a modification on the number plate, the current number plate, to put a, a green strip around it. 
I know in the UK, they just put one strip, but we want to put a green strip all around, a reflective green strip. That's how people can distinguish that low emission vehicle and this one is a high emission vehicle. So I think we are, we are, we are in the pipeline of that, uh, making it a legal framework, not a private framework, but a legal framework so that when in, someone orders a vehicle, but we want to make a regulation that you cannot order the vehicle yourself. You have to go through a dealership as you know, these vehicles are quite dangerous. So we don't want people to order substandard vehicles. And then it comes here, it, the car blows up. It's going to be a problem for, 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 for Zimbabwe. It's going to be a problem for the manufacturer because they will be asked who uh, allowed you to, uh, um, to get the vehicles there without certification. But then again, it's, it's kind of, stopping people who want to buy like a second-hand vehicle that was it that's within let's say from 2014 upwards or 2015 upwards so they can easily acquire you'll be allowed to buy let's, let's, you you'll be allowed yeah you'll be allowed to buy it on your own but you have to go through a technician to say okay fine this is the vehicle i want to buy then the technician will assess the vehicle before you buy it because if you buy a substandard vehicle it's going to be a problem for the technicians locally because you cannot you're not able to take the car back to japan and you're not able to take the car probably to South Africa because South Africa have their own regulations in place for these vehicles. Because these vehicles, to them, they're quite sensitive. And they, you know what, they, they don't want bad publicity. Like, uh, for example, the autopilot with Tesla. Remember when it, things went haywire on, on, on Twitter, Elon Musk quickly went and upgraded the system. Because electric vehicles they, they these these companies that are so against them because they know they're going to lose money from selling oil so they will not advocate for them they'll actually wait for a mistake right now hyundai the hyundai corner there's a lot of recalls for zimbabwe i would i would not suggest anyone to buy a brand new latest model at least buy a car that's two years uh, backward because they have perfected it these newer ones now because they're now in a rush to meet demand all over the world because after covid everyone now wants to save the environment so everyone now wants to own an ev tesla they actually have a backward as you know they're actually trying to push their, their giga factories the chinese factory because that model why there's the pre-orders are just insane the rivian if you if you know the rivian the rivian they said they're going to only make 500 they've been all been pre-ordered the hammer electric all pre-ordered I think LeBron James is the only guy who was given the demo unit for their promo. Otherwise, mm. all of them, they pre-ordered. So that's the kind of demand that's there at the moment, globally, before you even think of Zimbabwe. But globally, there is a, a people are meeting the infrastructural needs globally. So I'm guessing the demand kind of means it's not convenient enough elsewhere in the world to be like, yeah, for my first car, or if I'm going to buy a new car, I'm just going to go EV because it's, 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 it's as good as having... But Zimbabwe is... Zimbabwe is Zimbabwe is going, going that way. Imagine our own Uber via is using electric and DPA is, 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 is developing all this. As, as I say to people, Zimbabwe is a very small country compared to all these other countries. It's, quite, it's very small. So if you have 40 charging stations in a, in, a, in, a, in a country like Zimbabwe, that's more than enough because we are going to charge our cars more at home. I always, okay, I can ask uh, Edwin and you, Valentine, do you, how many times do you charge your phone at work? I work from home, so probably once a day, twice a day. Once a day, I guess. Yeah, for me, it's like once a day because, well, you see, you work it's from a Huawei. You, see, you, you, know, you, charge, 
<laughs> now you see. Hey, have you ever had anyone who says, ah, okay, I'm leaving, I'm going to charge my phone at the office. You charge your, your phone at home overnight. If you treat your car as your phone, like how you treat your phone, trust me, you will not even think about a charging station. I've got, I'm allowed to go and charge at uh, Econet's uh, new charging station. But I'll, t- I'll tell you now, I've owned an EV for almost one and, one and a half years now. I've never gone there. I charge my car at home. There's a time I was driving in town, it was left with a range of 12 kilometers. I don't know how, where I got the guts to say, okay, I live 17 kilometers from, 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 from town, but I managed to get home with those 12 kilometers. And when I got home, it had kilometers written on the range. And I charged it home. So I feel Zimbabwe, the charging stations, very much, you're right, we need them. But don't put that into your mind because you're going to see that and there's no point for me to go there because I'm charging my car at home. Well, I, I wouldn't say there's, there's no point for it. I think I, I, if I was going to buy a car, I'd buy a plug-in electric hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I was gonna buy a car, if I have the money to buy a car now, I'll probably do that. But I'm thinking about the person who's like, um, okay, in, in, in case of an emergency and my electric car is still charging, what am I going to do? Um, again, we have to rely on, um, for example, you said in Europe, these things are commonplace. In Europe, you can get an Uber, you can get a Lyft, you can get whatnot, or EVs. That, that network is there, it's extensive, it's 24 hours. It's, you know, and you say Zimbabwe is a small country. There are so many stop gaps we need to fill or gaps we need to fill before we can then say, oh no, Zimbabwe will need, will be able to, um, uh, Zimbabwe will be able to make the shift to electric vehicles. So Zimbabwe has got this, I want to own my own thing sort of mentality. That someone will be like, I want to own, you know, my own car and have, you know, I want to be in control of this. So for them to feel that they're not in control because they, one, don't have enough charging stations around or they get to a charging station, you said 14 Zimbabwe, and they're congested because we know how Harare is by itself when it comes to um, people and EVs coming into, into Harare, let's say in mass, in the number that we have uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. Going to be, there's going to be congestions. Some people running around with uh, range anxiety, but not used to it. Again, it will help you, like what you said before, it will help yeah. you manage your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Problem is not everyone is familiar with that. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's the cultural shift that you, that's going to take time, even if the infrastructure is there. Because an idea can be good, but sometimes it's about people don't care. They're just like, yeah, we're happy with the way things are. So I'm, I'm guessing it's incumbent on you to then make the facilities in place for it mm-hmm. to look cheaper and for it to be better. Then people will be like, you know, listen, it's really cheaper. It makes sense. Look, let's do it. That's yeah. the only way I think in, you can compete. In, with. in a level like this, for, for example, uh, I'm in the private sector. So sometimes you're limited. You have to get the government engaged in some such thing. Because this is a private sector. There's a lot of investment you have to pull through. Yes, you want the business, you want all this stuff, but this we're talking of millions to actually make sure that there's a proper charging network. Like look at DPA, they, 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 they're a power generating company. They're quite big. They're gonna make a charging network because they know it's gonna serve their Uber system, which is via. So for them in the long run, they will actually say, okay, fine, let me open it up for the public. But as you said, yeah, congestion is, is something. My, my thinking when I started following this electric vehicle for Zimbabwe, I thought it would be best for people to start with plug-in hybrid. And then electric vehicle would be a preference. Plug-in hybrid will, will get people to get the sense of owning something that, that, that runs on electricity. And then the, 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 um, the little petrol engine will be there as backup, like the BMW i3. I even thought of bringing one. Well, the BMW i3, I think, gives you about 80, 80 Ks. 
uh, from the electric motor and then you the, the petrol engine will kick in after that runs out. I even thought of that. But then I looked at Zimbabwe being, you know, the fast paced people. The iPhone 12 came out by people, the iPhone 12 one and then the Pro Max. But when people bought, the, a lot of people were buying the Max. So I thought to myself, probably that's what's going to happen. People will just jump over to, the, to, to electric more than plug-in hybrid. So the problem with, with comparing the iPhone to an electric car is the people who can actually afford an iPhone are a subset of a subset of a subset of Zimbabweans. It's a very small pool mm-hmm. of people who can just say on the turn of a flick, okay, let me just go buy an iPhone. The people who like, okay, mm-hmm. if a person like you and I, like to say, you know, you're fresh out of college, you just got your first job, to buy an electric vehicle is a massive leap. And to say plug-in mm-hmm. electric hybrids are the gateway, again, it's, it's good because you get the best of both worlds. The problem is you get the complexity of both worlds. Because with the, mm-hmm. the plug-in electric hybrid, you still got the internal combustion engine there. If that fails, mm-hmm. that is an issue. And it still needs the regular maintenance and servicing. And then the battery mm-hmm. as well is something you're going to carry. Cost as well, because they're pretty yeah. expensive. Because you're getting both. Yeah, you've got a cost. double cost. Yeah, you've got, you've got a, a double, double cost. cost. So it, mm. It's not... It, it's, if there's a way to make it... To make those vehicles cheaper, which it, there isn't right now, because most of them on sale are pretty expensive, um, people are going to go over battery electric vehicles thinking, oh no, since, you know, it's, it's, it, it's the future. But it's a step too far. Mm. That's what I was talking about before. Like, there's so many gaps in the middle that we need to fill. The one big one is... You know, the biggest, you know, the biggest gap is probably excise duty. If that's removed, yep. trust me, those cars... Will be will be swarming in this country like no man's business. But now the problem is we need to have control measures in terms of quality because uh, if you if you see in a lot of countries when they're selling pre-owned electric vehicles, either one the battery is degraded, secondly the but uh, there's something actually wrong with the whole system. So now imagine that car comes here and there's not enough. We don't have enough space. We don't have enough backup. It comes here, dies off. Two, three, or four people have bad experience with it. The whole concept is dead. So somehow there's a lot of gaps. I agree with you, but we can close those gaps stage by stage if only the government is willing to engage the relevant people to say, "Okay, fine, we've got these people. Let them do everything. Then we'll just pass the legislation." That, that's mm. a rarity because they'll never ever relinquish that sort of control to say, "Oh no, let's let's engage a few people and then." Um, let them do it. They're going to move at their own pace. I think the only way the government can be a, a boost to this is if they say, let's adopt as the government, giving us the incentive to create the infrastructure necessary to make this possible. Like I said, the parasitals that could use these vehicles and could, could cut costs in, in terms of battery electric vehicles are a number. Mm. They have too many to mention. So if they do the adoption first, people will follow. Mm-hmm. People will be Look, like, what's your excuse for not having electric vehicles when there are 40 charging stations in Harare alone? Yes, that that that's the main thing that we're looking at. Look for 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 what you just said is I I, I totally agree with you. But um, there's one thing I'm really happy about with um with uh, Fortune Chelsea before he left. He actually said, look, he's willing to to push the private sector to be ahead to to be the front line, whilst the ministry is sort of like your 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 guideline. Your, your, because you are pushing through everything. The ministry will be just there to support you and say, look, guys, uh, because of the legislation ABCD, don't do this, do that. It's just to ensure that there is control, something that does not affect the energy sector or the economy itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, feel, yeah. I feel, you know, our ministries are quite keen. They're very keen. Uh, they're very happy to, to support the, 
the initiative. But I think it's up to the private sector. The private sector, if it's ready to invest, there'll be 100 charging stations in this country because already there's DPA. And then another company comes in and says, look, I want to, to invest in charging stations. You you see. You see how mm. it will to pan out. Because, yeah. Because I understand total, total France. I was talking to someone from, because we were trying to get Puja. He was telling me they've actually set aside a budget for, for, for the global market to, you remember they've started putting solar in all, all, all their service station. The next step is yeah. now charging station. Now yeah. imagine each and every total service station with, um, with the charging station by mid-August in Zimbabwe. It's going to happen. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a scary, that's a, that's a, like a too soon, in my head, like I'm, I'm a skeptical person, I'll be honest with you. For me, that feels too <laughs> soon. But the commitments I've seen from other countries like Norway, Denmark, Sweden, saying by 2030, there'll be no um, fossil fuel mm. sale. I can believe that. But for Zim, it's just oh, going to take me a lot of convincing. It might just be me being I'm, 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 te- I'm telling I'm you, from... <laughs> okay, let me give you an, let me let me let me ask you a question. Did you did you ever think to yourself that uh, those safe stations will go off grid in that space of time? Did you think Sweps was gonna go off grid in that space of time? Do you did you think Standard Association of Zimbabwe were gonna go off grid in that space of time? Mm. Yeah, the incentive I, to do it was there was a thing now. You know they they. You know what? This is one thing. I think Zimbabweans are underestimating what's going on in the corporate world. Total safe station, as we speak, probably, I don't want to say things I don't know, but probably by mid-August, they will have, each will have charging station. <laughs> mm. Probably. It's, it's my assumption. I don't know. And I think, mm. I think that would be interesting. What I'm saying. <laughs> because there's also like... Um, you you mentioned that a bunch of people are buying like Honda Fit hybrids and yeah, there are a bunch of other hybrids that are out there, Toyota Camrys, um, Toyota Crowns and the like. Uh, it, it seems probably the main push since Zimbabwe is largely a secondhand market for vehicles. It'll, it'll, it feels like it'll most likely be determined by it'll most likely be determined most by um, by the global market. So as the global market is pushing towards electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles, it'll then eventually trickle down to other countries like Zim, who don't really rely on dealerships, but more on like second-end import markets and get those yeah. kinds of vehicles. So, I, I, I mean, it's something that even if we, it feels, well, at least to me, that even if we try to resist, it's something that's just so inevitable. It's just going to happen. And it's already been happening with a bunch of uh, hybrid vehicles that we are seeing in the streets right now, as well as a bunch of electric vehicles that we are also seeing in the streets right now. It looks like it, that's where things are headed. Look, it's it's something I was highlighting last week. Uh, people are buying hybrids in the sense of that they want to save fuel. And then sometimes they get disappointed saying, I don't understand. 
there's there's induction also. That's why I said it's education. You need to understand how you drive a hybrid, because if you mm. drive it like you're driving your 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 normal Subaru or your BM, it will still consume the same fuel because it's you'll be using both. You are, it's now you've got extra power because you've got an extra electric motor pushing the uh, the wheels and you've got uh, the internal combustion pushing the wheels. Because you need to understand the concept of a hybrid is below 60 k's, it's using the, the the electric motor and the battery. Above, it's now using both. I drove a Toyota Auris 2017 model from Baitbridge via Blueo, via Shavani. Mm. Uh, sorry, it was via Shavani Road mm. into Arare. Do you know if I tell you I only used one full tank that whole route? Mm. And it was just and through was managing the, the hybrid system. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. I also had a BMW Active Hybrid 5. The Active Hybrid 5 was designed for performance. It wasn't designed for efficiency. So mm. surprisingly, the, with the way I was driving, I was actually getting efficiency. It was, it was giving me 1 is to 14, 1 is to 15. And I'm talking of a 3-liter twin-turbo engine with an electric mm. motor. And I was getting 1 is to 15. Yeah, that's... In uh... town. And then on the highway, it was about 1, one is to 16. One is seventeen, more more or less different. Yeah, it's yeah. how you you're able to drive it too. So, look like what I was saying. There's a lot of hybrids. There's a lot of electric cars already in Zimbabwe, but we cannot trace them because, firstly, Zimra doesn't have the narrative. They don't have the narrative to say they can only classify the electric vehicle is classified as an hybrid, because they don't have on their system. I don't think they have a narrative classifying uh, that it's an EV. Mm. you find it under a go-kart. <laughs> <laughs> or a golf cart. Oh, all right. All right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. Those are the things that come with electric. Yeah. Those, those okay. are the things that come with electric motors. So there's, like what Valentine says, those are the gaps. There are the gaps also. Because we need to have, we need to make sure that our Zimmer system is upgraded to identify that this car is electric. CVR. We have to have also a different system for them to identify that this car is a low emission vehicle. Because mm. I understand CETEX is for, for carbon tax. Okay. So if you bring in a low emission vehicle, it has to reduce. Yeah, 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 for sure. As well as so the when the ETOs mm. come, we need to get EV ETOs. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> Sorry, Ed, at the burning point. You're my ethos. I was there in South Africa when they were launched way back when, and it was a mess. And like the, the, the payment system was a problem. People were getting overcharged, and people like it was, it was a mess. So if they can sort of the system, get it working right, first of all, and then say EVs uh. get, you know, 20% off at toll gates, I'll be happy with that. No, it, it, look, according to the framework policy we're working on, all those incentives are there. It's just a matter of putting it together in a nice, sweet document, getting it into parliament. Parliament says, okay, fine, let's do an SI for it. I'm telling you, that will be the best thing that they'll ever do. Whereas even insurance companies, I was speaking to a couple of insurance companies, they're very happy to do that because protecting the environment and also making sure there's convenience for people are two things that are very important for business. Because mm-hmm. now imagine, let's say for example, you remember the time the cell phones were introduced uh, with the 3G network? I remember a, a lot of people 
we're saying the internet in Zimbabwe will not work. Same way Valentine is saying there's these gaps, but look at where are we right now? We're using Zoom on what? On Wi-Fi, where in Zimbabwe, through a base station that was put in Zimbabwe. And it didn't take a space, it took us a little space of time to get 4G also. So we've got, you know what? We've got the talent, we've got everything in Zimbabwe. But it's mm. just that thing I always tell people that you wake up with a dream in Zimbabwe, but after 10, 20 minutes, you, you are angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's really no you need just, to be. You just get angry. <laughs> yeah, look, like yeah. how I was telling my friends, how, look, I follow Texim religiously. I actually get most of my information from you guys. I told this oh, guy, cool. this other friend of mine, I said, if these guys were in the States, if these guys were in the States, they'll probably be... What's this company called that's always talking about technology? It's actually a show on BBC. Uh, it's, oh, it's BBC IT. Click. Yes. I told them they'll be as popular as this. As this. But Zimbabwean publications, they don't realize that talent. They say, ah, whatever. Like I, I, I run a, a page, an automotive page, Zimtalk, right? I told myself, mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait for publication to, for recognition from anyone. Because right now, you see, there's now broadcasting licenses. You guys would have been approached by, 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 by Minister of um, Information and Publicity to say, you know, in broadcasting services. Say, guys, we need to have a TV show for, for technology. You need to, to, to talk about technology in Zimbabwe. You guys take them because we see how you do on Facebook. But they won't. They will tell you, come here. When you go to them, we need 5,000 US. We need to get the license. Mm. But your info, the way you're portraying information, now imagine right now, probably someone in, 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 in Zimbabwe in Australia now knows information about Zimbabwe through you guys. Mm. You're putting a positive image about Zimbabwe, but you're not getting the recognition. I feel, you know, like how, oh, what's it called? This other online TV, ZTN, ZTN for Zim yeah. papers. I yeah. Said, yeah, I said the same thing broadcasting in Zimbabwe should have been made open to say people just apply. They get their license simple. You guys imagine you had your own TV channel talking about mm. technology. Mm. How many followers will be there just to sit down and say, I'm watching Texas. The show starts at six o'clock and ends at seven. I'm watching Texas. Yeah, but Zimbabwe, be... sometimes they don't, they don't realize <laughs> such time. It would be an interesting man. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, th- I think, <laughs> I think like, so I think hopefully we get there, uh, uh, especially the EV you space. Will. I think it's, it's pretty mm. interesting. It's an, it's an interesting place to be. It feels like when all the bugs are turning, it's going to be a win-win mm. for, for everyone. So I think just to, to round it all up, um, yeah. you, you you guys said you're working on a policy document any, mm-hmm. any timeline on when it'll be available or if there is any place where people can just check it out? Okay, currently it's, it's being spearheaded by the Ministry of Energy and Power mm. Development um, along with um, Climate Change uh, Committee. So probably it'll take maybe up to June, July. Uh, we don't know. But as we go, I think some... Maybe some incentives may be put into effect. It depends on how much we will push and how much I'll I'll try and convince 
the committee <laughs> for us to, to, to get this to, to, to move. Because I, I feel, look, our generation deserves some bit of change and some bit of enjoyment of technology. I was quite happy with Zimra when they said uh, duty exemption on ICT equipment. It's a, mm. so it's quite very, a big move for even us youngsters. Because, you know, mm. we, 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 we like using computers, tablets, laptops. So now imagine yeah. I don't have to worry about paying duty for those stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting. It's quite very interesting and it's, uh, yeah, it's the future. <laughs> so, hey, man, Tanaka, yeah. thanks so much for, for hanging out with us. No um, problem, thanks. Like, like I said, we can talk guys. all day. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Ah, this uh, we can go all night, all day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Um, so to all those that are listening, no, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, uh, Valentine, you have any last words? If, if I have last words, we'll just keep going, going on and on. You know, <laughs> so yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. Yeah, no. Follow us, like us. Also, check out ZimTalk and see what they're doing. I mean, it's interesting stuff. Uh, until next time, goodbye. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.